Today we continue our four-week journey through the Gospel of John, looking at four very well-known encounters with Jesus. Last week, Jesus met with a Jewish man at night. This week, Jesus meets with a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day. And in fact, if you turn to that second-to-last page in your bulletin, I've included a list of comparisons between the encounter with Nicodemus and the encounter with the woman at the well. When we compare and contrast these two stories, it becomes very evident that they were intended to be read alongside each other. Now I'm going to call your attention back away from the bulletin because we're moving on. But before we dive into John chapter 4, I want to start in Numbers chapter 5. Numbers chapter 5. Numbers 5 contains one of the strangest and, for many, disturbing passages in the Bible. We're not going to turn there, but, but I'll summarize it for us. Numbers 5 outlines a, a ritual procedure whereby a married man, if he suspects his wife of adultery, can bring her before the priest and perform a test to determine her guilt or innocence. And this test involved having the woman drink bitter water, water that was mixed with dust from the floor of the tabernacle. This bitter water was said to reveal secret sin. If the woman was innocent, she had nothing to worry about. But if the woman was guilty of adultery, the bitter water would reveal her guilt by causing her stomach to swell. Now, if that's disturbing to you, I I understand that. Um, and if you, if you would like to discuss that further, I'd be happy to. But I want to ask you to suspend judgment on Numbers 5 and hang with me until the end of the sermon. What does Numbers 5 have to do with John 4? John chapter 4, verse 5. So Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, that is noon, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Okay, to to understand what's going on in John chapter 4, we have to understand the various dynamics at play within these opening verses. So, uh, let's start by considering the literary setting. And then we'll talk about the cultural setting. The literary setting is this. Jesus meets a woman at a well. Throughout the Bible, several key figures meet with women at wells. In fact, they meet their wives at wells. In Genesis 24, Abraham's servant finds Rebekah at a well. In Genesis 29, Jacob meets Rachel at a well. In Exodus 2, Moses meets Zipporah at a well. In the Song of Solomon, the bride is described as a well. And the book of Proverbs talks about marital fidelity in terms of drawing and drinking from your own well. And so many theologians have pointed out that that John chapter 4 has marital undertones. The details within this story invite us to view Jesus as a bridegroom and the Samaritan woman as a bride. To be clear, I'm not saying that Jesus married the Samaritan woman. 
But it's, it's clear that this woman represents and epitomizes and personifies the bride of Christ. And more specifically, as a Samaritan, as essentially a Gentile, this woman is a stand-in for all the nations and kingdoms of the world. The implication is that Jesus is, is more than just Israel's bridegroom. He desires into, to enter into covenant with the entire world. This would have been shocking for first century Jewish ears, but in a sense, Jesus had come to intermarry with the Gentiles. So that's the literary setting, a, a bridegroom and a bride. Now, the cultural setting. The first century world was a highly gendered world. There were very strict gender norms. Specific things were expected of males, and specific things were expected of females. In particular, men were associated with the public sphere, and women were associated with the private sphere. It would have been strange for a woman to have a conversation in public with a man to whom she was not related. In verse 27, the the disciples show up and they marvel that Jesus is having a private conversation with not just this woman, but any woman at all. In addition, women were encouraged and expected to be highly protective of their sexual honor and exclusiveness. So, for, for this woman to be discussing her marital history with a stranger would have been considered shameful. And what's more, following her encounter with Jesus, the Samaritan woman runs into the town square and begins speaking in public. Again, this, this would have been considered an act of shamelessness. So, John chapter 4 does appear to be challenging some of the gender norms of the day. Jesus does not appear too concerned with the fact that the Jews were not supposed to speak with the Samaritans or that men were not supposed to speak with women. He's sitting at this well, and a Samaritan woman arrives, and Jesus actually initiates the conversation by asking for a drink. He is asking for water from her, but then he offers water to her. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman says, Sir, give me this water. However, Jesus seems to immediately change the subject. The woman says, Sir, give me this water. And Jesus says, Go, call your husband. Verse 16, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Again, this is not the sort of conversation a first century man would be having in public with a first century woman. But notice that that marriage theme again Jesus asked her to call her husband, knowing full well that she did not have a husband, and the man she was currently living with was not her husband. Now, for this woman to have been married five different times does not necessarily indicate that she was at fault. 
She very well could have been widowed five different times. But it was undoubtedly shameful, a shameful thing to be living with a man who was not her husband. And this was culturally significant because not only was it shameful for them to be living together, but this woman's male companion was under no obligation to defend her honor in public. And so this woman was living in a state of shame, really regardless of whether she had done anything to deserve that. And so I think with Jesus, we should have a great deal of compassion for the Samaritan woman. Her behavior would have been considered shameful by her contemporaries, but this was no doubt the behavior of a woman who desired, who deeply desired to be loved and cherished and honored within the context of a stable, loving, covenant relationship. But again, why, why does a conversation about water turn so sharply into a conversation about marriage? This is where I want to draw our attention back to Numbers chapter 5. The allusion here is to the ritual procedure we mentioned earlier that was meant to reveal whether or not a woman had been adulterous. And remember, the woman was made to drink bitter water. Well, here in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman's marital fidelity is being called into question. But Jesus doesn't need bitter water to see what's really going on. He reveals that he already knows her story. And so what does he offer her? It's not bitter water. It's living water. Not the water that reveals her guilt, but the water that springs up within her. Water that satisfies. Water that wells up to eternal life. Not bitter water that swells up within her, but living water that wells up within her. You see, in terms of Numbers chapter 5, Jesus is playing the part of the husband and the priest and God. But he doesn't offer the bitter water of curse and death. He offers the living water of blessing and life. Jesus is not a jealous husband seeking to reveal this woman's shame. He already knows her shame, and he is offering to cleanse her from the inside out. Look how she responds, verse 28. She left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? In no way... Does she feel condemned? She is fully exposed, but she is loved. To have our sin laid open before Jesus is actually a liberating thing. To be known by him, even in our sin, is the best thing that can happen to us. Because in response to our sin, Jesus doesn't make us drink the water of bitterness He gives us living water. He cleanses us from the inside out. This Samaritan woman is currently on her sixth man. But that makes Jesus number seven. Jesus is the seventh man in the sequence. He is the complete, consummate bridegroom. 
Jesus is the kinsman redeemer that the Samaritan woman has been waiting for. Jesus is the kinsman redeemer that we have all been waiting for. Like Boaz was for Ruth, Jesus is the bridegroom who meets us in our shame and redeems us and pays our debts and loves us and draws us into a new covenant relationship with himself. The Samaritan woman sees in Jesus a man who can take away her shame and restore her dignity and guard and defend her honor. She has nothing left to hide. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And the townspeople went out of the town and were coming to Jesus. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. As I mentioned earlier, this story is is transforming in in certain ways the gender norms of the day. The Samaritan woman leaves her jar at the well, but she doesn't, she doesn't go home. She doesn't return to the private sphere. She enters into the public square and begins to evangelize. She is acting shamelessly. That is, she is acting free of shame. According to the gender norms and expectations of the day, the Samaritan woman is transgressing what would have been considered socially acceptable. But the manner in which she does it reveals her to be the ideal disciple of Christ. The Christian life is meant to be lived publicly. Whether you are a man or a woman, your Christian life is meant to be a public life. Jesus invites each and every one of us to bear bold and enthusiastic witness to the gospel. You see, Jesus is not simply transgressing a taboo for the sake of transgressing a taboo. He is not being socially destructive. He's being socially constructive. He's transgressing a taboo in order to redeem and restore. The Samaritan woman was an outsider. She was the last and least Samaritan who could expect to find favor with God. And yet she is the first Samaritan to whom Jesus reveals himself. She is the first Samaritan to be redeemed. The first Samaritan to be welcomed into the new family of the Messiah. And so, during this season of Lent, I want to encourage you to liberate yourself by laying your sin out in the open before Jesus to be known by him, even in your sin, is one of the best things that could happen to you. Because in response to your sin, Jesus doesn't make you drink from the water of bitterness. He gives you living water. He cleanses you from the inside out. He has not come to condemn you. He has come to liberate you. He has come to redeem you, to cover you, to pay your debt. He's come to love you and defend you 
and to welcome you into his family. Jesus is at the well, offering the living water of liberty and dignity and salvation and transformation for each and every one of us. And so let's, let's drink deeply from his water. Like the Samaritan, like this, this ideal disciple of Christ, let living water fill you and well up within you and well up within you and well up within you until it flows out of you such that your neighbors get to taste it too. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you have not left us in our shame. By your great love and mercy and compassion, you have acted for our redemption. Jesus, you are the kinsman redeemer we've all been waiting for. Please give us your water, your living water. Cleanse us from the inside out. And Holy Spirit, make us into rivers of living water, extending blessing and life to everyone around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.